welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, lovely. Happy Wednesday and welcome to season two, so to speak, at least year two of the You're Welcome podcast. Last week, we celebrated our one-year anniversary and having crossed over 500,000 downloads, over half a million episodes we have listened to together over the last year, which is just unbelievable. This little tiny idea that I had, this little engine that could of the podcast has become such a incredible community and I just adore this time that we spend together so much and and the conversations that we continue over on Instagram for that reciprocal relationship. And I just want to say again that I am so grateful for every one of you that has left a review, even if you listen to this years later and there are thousands of reviews at this at that point. Every single one of them means so much for the hours of love that get poured into this podcast every week. The fact that you would give a few minutes of love just one time means so much. And uh, fun fact, you don't even have to write anything when you leave a review. It is beautiful if you do, but honestly, you can pause right now and just swipe up before you keep listening. You can simply hit those five stars and that in and of itself is a review without you even having to do any more. Today, I want to talk about a five-step thing that will take you about five minutes. Look at all these fives. I'm just tying together here um, with a 500. Oh my gosh, guys. So it really will take you about five minutes and it is one of the most powerful tools that I have in my life. That is not an understatement. It is the most powerful way that I understand myself, lower my anxiety, I make decisions. I feel empowered. It really helps me also to understand others and to help others. I do this all the time with the people in my life. And it's something that is absolutely free. It's relatively easy to understand. And it's actually easy to do. The concept is big, but the tool that I was given is actually quite easy to do. And as I said, it doesn't even take very long. So as we are now in, I think this is week seven of quarantine for me, if you are listening live in the midst of the coronavirus global pandemic, um, it is something that's really been helping me while we have been sequestered in the suburbs here in Phoenix. As I've been processing through all of this, I have ended up sharing it in small ways over on Instagram and I just asked over the weekend if you are familiar with this concept that we're going to talk about today that I call the wand because I have taught it in different of my products and programs but I've never done it here on the podcast and so many of you said you hadn't heard about it or you did but you wanted more information that I wanted to share it as kind of a foundational thing today for our community and it goes back to one of those things that we all know we just don't know how to do. You know, there's some things that you get conceptually. You read a book, you listen to a TED Talk or a podcast, but it doesn't seep into your life. It doesn't really change how you're doing things on a day-to-day -day basis. So to me, this five-step thing, so to speak, really helps me to do it, to actually get there. So I want to start by giving you a bit of the backstory of how I came upon this. So in 2016... I'd been running my business for five years. I started in late 2011. And for whatever reason, I told myself that I could be crazy for three years. I don't know where I got that number, but I just knew that becoming an entrepreneur was a wild and crazy endeavor. And I didn't harbor any disillusionment that it was going to be simple and easy and a piece of cake. But I also knew that a lot of people I looked up to who had built businesses and empires seemed to be constantly sprinting and striving and crazy. And I didn't want to live my life like that. So I kind of told myself this could be a season, but it can't be a life. But I looked up around three and a half, four years in, and it was not getting any easier. I was exhausted. I was burnt out. I was running so hard. I made some shifts in my business, which is a story for another time, that led me to some incredible financial breakthrough in my fourth year. In 2015, we 6X our revenue, and it was amazing, but it also left me with the clarity that strategy wasn't enough. Money wasn't enough. There was still an emotional breakthrough that that needed to happen to get me to the next level. And I got this idea of a sabbatical from a book that I was reading and um, said to my CFO, like our controller, our part-time CFO at the time, who's still with me today, I want to make the same amount of money in 2016, but I want to take a few months off. I, I really need this break. 
So I ended up going to Europe. I was supposed to stay for six weeks. I realized halfway through I was not halfway to whatever it was that I was trying to feel or answer. And so I didn't get on the plane in Paris. I ended up staying for four months. And after three months, I kind of regrouped. And I said, okay, I'm still not getting there. I wasn't even sure what the question was that I was trying to answer, but I knew I wasn't there. And I remember describing it like, I felt like I had achieved a two-inch cushion and what I needed was a 10-inch. Like a two-inch cushion is you go on vacation and you come back and you feel more rested, right? You feel less burnt out, but ultimately you get pretty right back at it. You have another two rough weeks of work or two rough months in your personal life and you're right back to where you were, which is different than a true internal shift where when hard things happen, when you get exhausted and overwhelmed, the dip isn't as intense. There's this cushion that helps you feel like you are farther from hitting rock bottom. And I think that it may be something that a lot of people are experiencing right now during quarantine, when you're saying, I have more time than ever, so why do I still feel so scarce on time? There are lots of shoulds that are running around in my brain. The whole world, in theory, is on a pause in some ways. Why do I keep shoulding myself? We talked about that in our productivity episode that I'll link um, below. My inner soul still doesn't feel at rest. And that's how I was feeling. Here I'm living the dream in a lot of ways, getting to travel all over Europe, not seeming like I really have a ton going on at work. And yet, why am I still experiencing so much internal unrest. And I decided, okay, I'm going to sit down in Nice, France for a month by myself. I'd been traveling with a friend on and off and I'm not going to take any day trips. I'm not going to sightsee. I mean, I did not go to a museum. I did not go to a neighboring town. I just sat and I read and listened and watched everything that I could get my hands on trying to answer this question again that I wasn't even quite sure what it was that I was asking him. What I ended up realizing was that everything I took in, whether it was from the perspective of science or religion or personal development, I watched a Tony Robbins documentary and I watched The Secret and I looked at passages from the Bible and I learned about neuro-linguistic processing and I read a book by a brain scientist. And what I realized was that everyone was ultimately saying the same thing. No matter what perspective they came at it from, the inner kernel of truth was the same which is you control your thoughts. You control your mind. And that wasn't a new revelation. I've said before that I find there's there's little in life that necessarily hits you like a ton of bricks as in, wow, I have never heard that before. There's so many things that we have heard, but just because we hear it doesn't mean that we are doing it. Just because we believe it to be true doesn't mean we have really incorporated it into our lives. And while it wasn't a new idea to me, this idea that you control your thoughts, it really stood out to me that this is the one thing all of this universal teaching goes back to. And I thought, okay, I still don't know exactly how I'm going to do this, but I am compelled and convicted by it. I came back, I created a course called Elegant Excellence in the fall that was sort of about the balance of mindful business, not just business strategy, but emotional and mental health strategy, that we really needed both of those to succeed in entrepreneurship. And I taught a class for my students at the time called Harry Potter and the Secret of Happiness because I felt like it was this one universal secret that everyone was sharing, this magic. It felt like the closest thing to magic, this idea that you could control your thoughts and mind and the incredible power that that had. So a year ago, now we've gone from 2016 to 2019, and I was sitting with one of my therapists and I said, you know, I've I've been to therapy, I've read, I've researched, I've grown a lot, I've gotten a lot healthier over the last few years. I mean, just remarkably healthier. I've lowered my anxiety and I really understand a lot of this conceptually, but I still feel like there's a missing puzzle piece. I feel like there is some, there's like all those thoughts over there and there's me standing on the other side of the river. 
and I can see it and I'm on board and I'm giving it the thumbs up, but I, it doesn't really feel like it's within me. It still feels like something I'm looking at across the river being like, how does one actually do that, right? Like how literally exactly can you give me a step-by-step process? How do I do this? How do I start to control my thoughts? I'm on board. I believe it. I want to do it. Like, Dude, how exactly do I do it? And she said, oh, you know what I think you would really resonate with is cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. So she gave me a some recommendations of therapists and I didn't meet with them. But soon after, I stumbled upon the Life Coach School podcast by Brooke Castillo. And I realized quickly that her basic teaching, her basis for all of her own philosophy is on the same tenets as cognitive behavioral therapy. So uh, while I did not go to therapy on it, I read about it, I researched it, and I sort of did this uh, group coaching, so to speak, by listening to this podcast and really breathing in all of these ideas. And to me, because I still thought about that magic idea of how this this concept of us controlling our thoughts, I started to call uh, it the wand. Just the name for myself as I thought about this process that cognitive behavioral therapy walks you through. I started to think about it as the wand. And the wand is five steps you can walk through to cast a spell to break through. You know, when you're feeling stuck in your life, when you can't see how to get someplace, how can you break through? You can use this wand. Can you cast a spell to make something visible? The phrase from Harry Potter, obfuscate, comes up. I don't know if that's the exact uh, right spell, but in my mind, it's like obfuscate, where something that was hidden now is revealed. When you're being like, How? I can't figure out what the answer is, and I want to I move forward. I want to find the answer. I feel like we can use the wand to make something visible and go, ah, that's it. Oh my gosh, it's right there. Okay, now I understand it. You can point your wand in a direction and fly there so much faster. You know how Harry Potter can use flu powder and you can like hop in the chimney and whoosh you're someplace else? When you want to be in a different place out of your anxiety, out of your frustration, out of your bad attitude, you can point the wand in that direction and say, that is where I want to go. And it allows you to get it there. So the actual name of the wand is simply my having this visual because I love metaphors and I love imagery of the basic tenets of cognitive behavioral therapy, which comes down to five steps. And it starts with step one, which is our circumstance. A circumstance is a fact, a situation, an event, and a circumstance is always neutral. When you think of, for example... The circumstances Bob died. Well, I mean, we might think of death as a bad thing, but it could be good. Maybe Bob was in a lot of pain and discomfort. Maybe it could be indifferent. I I honestly don't know who Bob is. Somebody just told me Bob died, but I I don't know who that is. I don't really have a strong reaction to that. So when we hear, um, let's say Beth texted, you know, your circumstance is Beth texted and her text said, call me. All right, well, is that, uh, that's neutral because it could be good. Maybe Beth is about to, was about to find out that she got a great new job offer or we thought her boyfriend was going to propose. Call me could be, oh my gosh, I think he did it. It could be bad. Maybe Beth is our employee. Maybe Beth is our significant other. And it could be, oh my gosh, this, this is bad. What does this mean? But Beth simply texting, call me. Is, is neutral. It could be indifferent. My schedule. When I did my wand really consistently earlier, um, I can't remember when it was, but there was a period of time a, a, a few months ago in the last six months when every time I sat down and did my wand, my circumstance line was my schedule. I just was like, I was, I felt so busy. I felt so exhausted. I felt so stuck. But my schedule, it's not my busy schedule. Busy might be a judgment. I, I'm overwhelmed by my schedule. That's a judgment. It's just my schedule. My schedule is what it is. And somebody else could look at it and find a positive in it or find it neutral or I might be looking at it with a negative. You are, your circumstance could be I'm sheltering at home. I'm single. The call from my mom. Tomorrow's deadline. So we start by using the wand by picking a circumstance. And how do you choose what circumstance you want to use your wand on? It's whatever you are having thoughts or feelings about right now. There's usually something that is weighing on you, 
distracting you, you're avoiding, it's making you feel tired or anxious or defensive. It might be what you would talk to with a friend if they came over for a glass of wine or if you really sat down or journaled or if you went to therapy or if you were short with your partner and they said, you know, what's wrong with you? And you were like, oh, well, it's this. So we write down, here is my circumstance. Here is my fact of uh, or situation that's happening. Step two is my thought. What is the thought that I'm having about that experience. And if you didn't have a strong thought about it, it wouldn't be bothering you. It wouldn't be your circumstance. If I have no idea who Bob is, then I'm not really doing a whole wand off of the the fact that Bob died. It's the fact that uh, Beth texted and I have a very strong fear about, crap, what does it mean that she said, call me? I have a strong thought about it. And that is why that circumstance is affecting me in some ways. So if your circumstance was my schedule, your thought might be, I'm so behind. Circumstance, Beth texted, call me. My thought might be, she's going to quit. She's going to break up with me. She's mad at me. If your circumstance is you're sheltering at home, you're quarantined, your thought might be, I hate this. If your circumstance is you're single, your thought might be, I'm so lonely. Or what if I never get married? Or why don't people like me? Why doesn't someone want to date me? Step three, we write down our feeling. It's the feeling that comes from the thought. How does that thought make you feel? There was a circumstance. What's the thought you're having about it? Step two. Step three, all right, what's the emotion that you are getting from that thought? If your thought was, my schedule, I'm so behind, I feel exhausted, overwhelmed, defeated. If your thought was from Beth's text, she's going to quit, you might feel terrified. If your thought about sheltering at home was, I hate this, you might feel miserable. If your thought about being single is, I'm so lonely, your thought might be, I'm sorry, your emotion might be, you're even lonelier now. I feel even lonelier now that I'm thinking about the fact that I feel lonely. Step four then is our action. So from that feeling, what behavior does that emotion lead to? You know, when you feel like that, what are you going to do? When you feel overwhelmed about your schedule, the action you're going to take is going to feel like you're carrying really heavy bricks. You know, anything that you do at work today is just going to feel even heavier when you're already feeling overwhelmed. Or your action is when you feel overwhelmed, you avoid and you go binge Netflix. Like you already feel like you're in a hole, so you just dig yourself deeper into the hole. When you feel terrified that Beth might quit or break up with you, your action is you avoid calling back. You're so afraid something bad's going to happen that you just stick your head in the sand and avoid calling back. If you're feeling miserable about sheltering at home and being quarantined, maybe your action is you overeat or you go shop and buy things you don't need or you snap at your kids. What is the action that you take from that place? If you are single and you're feeling even lonelier as you walk through this wand, your action might be that you stay home and disconnect. You know, if you had the option to go out or you had the option to talk to someone or you had the option to go to something virtually or in person, depending on uh, where we're at in quarantine. But if you're feeling even lonelier, think about it. From that emotional place, that's not where we say, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to dust myself off and get out there, gosh darn it. No, when we've gotten ourselves into an even worse place feeling, we're like, Ugh, and now I probably just am going to stay on the couch and watch Netflix. And then step five is the result. What outcome will you get from that action? If you take those kind of actions, where are we headed? What is the end of our wand, the result that is at, down this path of where we're headed? Well, if, if my schedule that I'm so overwhelmed by and now I'm just avoiding and watching Netflix, the result is I'm going to get even further behind or I'm going to feel even worse. If I avoid calling Beth back because I'm so terrified, the result is I'm going to be anxious all day and I'm going to be bringing that energy into meetings. If I'm sheltering at home and I'm feeling miserable about that, I, I am more likely to snap at my kids 
as my action and then my result is it's going to be even harder for everyone to be around each other. That action is going to lead to other results that I don't like. If I'm single and I stay home and disconnect, that's going to lead to the result of not meeting anyone or being in an attractive place when I do. And by attractive, I just mean if we're going down that path of I'm lonely, I'm miserable, no one likes me. I mean, obviously that's not the best energy to bring to someone to be like, you know what, this seems really attractive, how lonely and miserable this person seems. So we can just walk that down and say, here's where I am headed with this path. And so how we do this is we simply write down five bullets or the the first letter of each one of these on a piece of paper just from the top to the bottom. So all the way down the left hand of your paper, you just write on five, five lines, C, T, F, A, R. And then you fill in all five, one on top of the other. And then we write it again. On the second half of the piece of paper, we write, again, C-T-F-A-R. And we can go ahead and fill in that circumstance because that is going to be the exact same thing. And now we simply choose a new thought. Now when I say simply, it sounds simple. Again, we know this concept. But it is whether or not we actually do this work and how we approach it. So this new thought It has to be something that our brain believes. You are not dumb. You can't trick yourself. I talk about this often as a personal stylist. If your actual thought inside your head when you look in the mirror is, I hate my body. It's not going to be helpful to just write post-it notes all over your mirror and and write to yourself 10 times a day, my body is sexy. My body is sexy. I, I hate my body feels like a zero on the scale. My body is sexy feels like a 10. I'm not going to leap from a zero to a 10 just from doing you know positive affirmations. And it's why the general concept of positive affirmations doesn't work. It's trying to just tell our brain something. Our brain is like, dude, I'm super smart. I really don't think that my body is sexy. Like I, I'm pretty sure that I know how I feel about this. So instead, we want to go to a a thought that also is believable. So if your circumstance is this red dress, you have tried on a dress and you are looking in the mirror and the circumstance is simply this red dress. The circumstance is not, I look fat in this dress. The circumstance is just the red dress and then I have the thought, I look fat. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, the thought is, I look skinny. That's not realistic for us to get ourselves to. So it's saying, what what thought does feel true? that feels better than I look fat. Maybe this isn't the most flattering dress for me. You know, that's that's a fine thought. I, as a personal stylist, I try on things all the time and my thought is, I don't like the way this looks on me. That's I'm still not going to keep the dress. I'm still not telling myself that I'm the bomb.com, but it is a much better thought than I look hideous in this because I've made it the dress. Maybe this dress isn't the most flattering for me, rather than my body is awful. Or this color looks great with my skin. That that can also be true. I can not I can feel like it is maybe not the most, you know, flattering if that's the first thing I look at, this red dress. But if I look at the fact that it looks great with my skin, that might be a way that I can separate out what if my feeling beautiful doesn't have to be about whether or not I look thin? What if there's other areas of my beauty that I can highlight? Or Uh, Sophie said I look great in this. Maybe one of your best girlfriends has seen you in that dress and every time you wear it, she's just like, oh my gosh, I love you in that dress. Maybe I'm just able to replace my own judgment with a little bit of an outside perspective of, you know what? I do trust Sophie's taste and she doesn't just tell me I look good in everything. She's really complimented me numerous times. So how would it feel to actually believe that maybe I'm more judgmental and maybe Sophie has a more realistic perspective? So It's these tiny thoughts where we say, this is feasible and I'm just going to come at it from a different angle. I'm going to take a different perspective. I'm going to link below an episode I did called 22 Steps to Feel Better. And that episode includes a chart where it shows different emotions and how one feels better than the other. They aren't all good feeling emotions, but you realize that as you go from rage to anger, for example... Anger still isn't a good feeling emotion, but it feels better than rage, right? And it's that concept that we can move one step at a time and that's how we can kind of 
pull ourselves up one by one, one rung up the ladder. So with our new thought, when we rewrite that our circumstance again is my schedule, our original thought was I'm so behind. And now our second time that we write it on the piece of paper, we make the thought, uh, we choose the thought, what matters most is getting that draft finished today. You know, we just switch it to, instead of just I'm so behind, we have a thought of what's the most important thing that I could get done? That's the most important thing. How do I feel now? I feel clear. I mean, clear isn't the best feeling emotion, right? You're not like, I feel jazzed. I feel excited. I feel proud of myself. I just feel clear. Before, when I felt behind, I felt overwhelmed. And now I just feel more clear and less confused. The action, I'm going to finish the draft. You know, I my action from this place, I, I'm less likely to get distracted with other things because I'm feeling clear and because my thought is focused on what is the number one thing that, that's most important to get done today. And the result is I'm going to feel proud at the end of the day that I got clear. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to feel like there's still a lot and that I'm not behind, but I am going to feel more proud of myself than our first option when I had my schedule and then I just felt so behind and so overwhelmed and I just binged binged Netflix all day and avoided it, well, that did not give me a very great result. I'm more likely to have a better result at the end of the day. And that other option at the top was just overwhelm and I run all over and I'm mentally confused. I mean, when when I, again, the, the my schedule one is so powerful to me because that is so frequently my circumstance. And I think I'm not alone in it because of that episode on productivity guilt that again, I'll link below that y'all loved so much just a couple weeks ago. It was one of our most shared episodes. And I think it's because I'm not alone that we feel behind, we feel overwhelmed, we feel like we haven't accomplished enough. And from that place, we then leak energy and we feel disengaged and we context switch, we try to do all the things. And so we ultimately get less done. And when I walk through this second round of the wand, I didn't change the circumstance. You know, my my schedule is what it is. The things on my to-do list are the things on my to-do list. But we we didn't beat ourselves up for feeling overwhelmed and then just sink deeper into that. We didn't beat ourselves up for not doing more or doing better, the action. We didn't start with, well, how do I not feel overwhelmed? I'm going to run so hard today. I'm just going to kick myself in the butt. I'm going to get so much done, man. And I'm going to muscle my way through to a better result. No, we went to the very start of it, which is our thoughts. And we chose a thought that we still believe, but that, like a magic wand, led us in a different direction by the end of the day. We broke through confusion. It pulled us out of a funk. And this magic was within us. Like right now, a few minutes from now, for free, without even needing a professional or a friend to help us. That's amazing if we have it. And what I think is so powerful about this is that real focus on the fact that we go back to the thought. I think a lot of times we want to try to muscle our way through the action. I'll just do something that I hate. I will do something that I do not like, but gosh darn it, I will do it. And I will beat myself into submission and I will get that result. And it feels so aggressive. And going back to the thought is so much more gracious and spacious and says, I actually don't have to work harder to get to a better place. The hard work I do need to do is giving myself five minutes where I'm going to sit here and notice my thoughts so that I can choose a better feeling thought. And yet for some reason, and I'll tell you this for myself as well, I avoid doing this. And the result then is oftentimes that I choose harder actions. I beat myself up more because it feels, it can feel scary and foreign to really sit and acknowledge our thoughts. I mean, we know this. How often do we grab for the phone the moment that we sit down because we aren't okay with the silence of our own thoughts? You're at dinner with someone, they get up to go to the bathroom, you immediately grab your phone instead of just sitting there. We actually are very uncomfortable sitting with our thoughts by and large. Meditation is just sitting with our thoughts. (laughs) A lot of us struggle to be able to do that. So instead, we choose this very kind of aggressive, hard thing of pummeling ourselves into other actions 
And again, I, I struggle with this. I'm not saying that this is easy to do, but I want us to be aware that we actually have this much easier and lighter option of, I'm just going to look at my thoughts. So the second time that we go through the wand with Beth's text that she said, call me, our thought the first time was she's going to quit. And our thought the second time is if she were to quit, I would be fine. I've always been fine. Like actually I've always gotten better. This is another one that I have really clearly used myself. When I thought someone on my team was going to move on or I thought there was some thing like that, that that there was going to be some sort of bad news. And I've realized my first thought is, oh no, this is going to happen. Or, oh no, what if this happens? And my, my second time through, my thought is, if this happens, is it really that bad? Like, let me walk through. This has happened before and I would be fine. And I can go down those same thoughts. The thought is not, no, she's not going to quit. Or the thought isn't, it, it could be, the thought could be, maybe she has great news. Sure, that could be a thought. But the thought also could be, actually, maybe I, I do feel like he's going to break, he or she is going to break up with me. That really is still where my thought is. But my thought becomes, and if they do, I will survive it and there is someone better for me out there. And then what I feel is neutral. I don't know what's going to happen yet, so I don't necessarily feel awesome. I'm not excited and jazzed about what's happening. But sometimes for me, when I go through the wand the second time, my feeling is just neutral because it was a negative feeling. And I don't necessarily know that it's going to be positive, but I can just being a neutral is better than being negative. So my action is I call her back. You know, she said, call me. And in my first thought of, oh my gosh, I didn't call her and I avoided it all day. And then I just carried that anxiety with me throughout the entire day. This time when I'm like, you know what? If it happens, it would not be the end of the world. Then I just call her back. And the result is that I lived my day from reality instead of a made up bad guess. Because what if you've had those times, right? Somebody was like, call me. And you called them and it was the silliest thing. And you're like, oh my gosh, dude, don't tell me, don't say call me. I think that something bad happened when you say call me. And they're like, oh, I mean, all I said was call me, right? In their mind, it was such a neutral sentence and your thought made it bad. So when we avoid it, we've gone through our entire day being like, something bad might be happening and I don't want to talk about it. And yet ultimately, we don't even know if that's the thing. And really someone quitting or breaking up with you or being mad at you, whatever call me might mean to you, it's always, that reality is always better than the fear of it. The fear is worse. Either it's not as bad as we think, or at least we feel better afterwards or sooner because we aren't living in the fear of it happening. Or at the very least, we're on the road to healing. You might be devastated and heartbroken, when they break up with you. But if you're just holding your breath for the next week waiting for them to break up with you, that wasn't a great week of your life. If you just take the action of having the conversation, you're one week closer to healing than you were on the other end. Delaying doesn't change the outcome and it doesn't even delay the pain. What I've realized is that we think the action is the worst part of it. The worst part is they're going to actually break up with me and I am actually going to be alone. They are going to quit and I'm going to be alone. They are going to, they are mad at me and then I'm going to feel alone in this friendship. But really, I realize it's our thoughts and feelings. And once we let the action happen, we get to be in control. Before it, our thoughts and feelings can feel way worse, honestly, as we're delaying, 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 or we're avoiding, you know, back to the schedule. We're just avoiding how behind we are. We're avoiding how much is on our plate. We can make the situation way worse. Whereas once we actually just take the action, we get to be in control of, okay, I decided this is the first priority today. So I'm going to prioritize the most important thing. And by the end of the day, at least I know I focused on what mattered most. Like, okay, I had the conversation and Whatever she told me in that, at least I know what I can move forward now. But whereas if I put the call off a week, that whole week, I don't really know what I'm dealing with and what to do from there. In the circumstance of sheltering at home during quarantine, and your first thought was, I hate this. Your second time through the wand, your thought might be, at least I have a job uh, running water. I'm not in the hospital sick. And you feel 
grateful. And from the place of gratitude, the action, I mean, really pretty much everything is better when we come from gratitude, right? It's why gratitude is one of those other universal things that we have heard of time and time and time again. Having a gratitude list, making a gratitude journal, listing things that we're grateful for. We wake up in the morning, we go to bed at night. It's because from that feeling of gratitude, we choose better thoughts and we take better actions. So while you are quarantined with your family, maybe your action is you're more patient with your kids. Because it's, on, it's built upon that foundation of gratitude. And your result is you all have a better day. And so ultimately, day by day, quarantine is less miserable than it is when you're coming at it from a constant feeling of, I'm miserable, I hate this, I'm taking it out on everyone around, around me that I'm you know, quarantining with, and everyone's taking it out on one another and then the situation just becomes more and more miserable. That we can make that shift without having to change the circumstance of what the laws are, what the rules are, but simply with our thoughts and feelings. And the last example of the circumstance of um, being single and that first thought of I'm lonely, the second time through your thought might be I can go online, like I can go meet people online or I can go to therapy. I can just decide I'm going to improve myself in this season so that when I do meet someone, I have an even more successful relationship. Um, Or I'm going to learn French because I want to travel to Paris and being single is why I feel like I'm not doing it and I want to feel more empowered that I could go over there even if I was traveling by myself because after all, Hillary traveled by herself when she was single too to Paris. So if she can do it, I can do it. So from that place, you feel empowered. It doesn't mean you feel happy. It doesn't mean you feel peaceful necessarily, but you feel more empowered. Like you can do something. There is some action you can take. Simply feeling lonely just is is a hopeless place. We we don't find love in a hopeless place. We don't find love in a hopeless place. So when you're feeling more empowered, you can do something. So your action is you're going to go do something. Whereas last time we went through the wand on this one, we were, you know, curled up in the fetal position watching Netflix. And your result is you're going to feel better than when you're doing nothing. Now, the result doesn't mean you you meet the man or woman of your dreams. The result doesn't mean that you just feel amazing and love your single life, but you just feel better than when you were doing nothing. And I chose this one in particular because I was single for so long that I have such deep empathy for anyone who struggles in this area. And there is not an easy thought about it. And I wanted to make sure to point out that when we do this wand, it doesn't mean that the thoughts are always easy, that we aren't going to be arguing with ourselves because we can go round and round with, well, that's dumb. I've tried that. That didn't work. That's not going to make me feel any better. That doesn't change reality. Like I get it. If you said, if you said to me, I'm just so lonely that I'm single. And I was like, girl, why don't you go on online dating? You're like, yeah, I've done that so many times. You have no idea. I'm like, why don't you just go to therapy? You're like, what? You're saying there's something wrong with me? Why don't you learn French? okay, so I can go to France and be miserable by myself looking at all these amazing couples and wishing that I was like on a romantic trip with someone else. I mean, I get it. Any thought you can argue back with, well, here's why that's dumb. Here's why that won't work. And I think it's the same as if your circumstance is I'm not pregnant and you desperately want to be pregnant and you are dealing with infertility or you had a miscarriage or you um, just got your period again or you're doing IVF and So I want to really emphasize that these things are not easy and that oftentimes the circumstance can be our greatest fear, our deepest challenge. And the thoughts that we think about it, we can have been thinking for a long time. And when we think a thought on repeat, when we think it again and again and again, it becomes a belief. And a belief we want to defend When you challenge what I believe, I feel defensive because you are challenging the very foundation that I have built something very important to me on. This is my belief about singleness and marriage. This is my belief about being a mother and infertility. So if you push me too hard, it feels like you are questioning the very foundation of what I believe about my religion or my politics or whatever. And we build up evidence for our beliefs. And I think this is really powerful to know because we can tell ourselves all the time 
that our belief is a fact. Our thought is the right thought. We can defend and justify it to ourselves. Because remember, this whole conversation is happening inside your head. And you're like, no, but... But here is the statistics. There is this percentage of people by this age that get pregnant, that get married, that here's the number of things I have on my to-do list. Here's the number of weeks that I've been in quarantine. Here's all the horrible things about, I mean, every one of these things. We can go to the mat and say, here are all the reasons why my thoughts are valid, why I am right to be miserable and have these horrible feelings and to be hopeless and anxious in the depths of despair. And it's true. You totally have the right to do that. It's just not the only option we have. And our brains want us to be right. There's something called the reticular activation system where when it notices one thing, it notices that thing again and again and again. So if you believe something, even before the crazy algorithms that gave us all the kind of news that we personally want to consume, Even prior to that, if you believe something on the right or the left in politics, you will keep finding more evidence for that. You will notice the news articles that confirm what it is that you want to be true. You're like, see, look at that. Look at that. I knew that that was true. And you will not see the ones that are not what is on your radar. And we, our brain wants to look for proof that it is right. So it builds up this evidence. So we end up with these stories of what it means that we have all these different situations happening in our lives, which means that there's a lot in there bit by bit to go through and dismantle. But if we want something to not be true, this thing that makes us anxious anxious or depressed or unhappy or feel hopeless or feel underwater or overwhelmed, if we want something to not be true, it starts with our thoughts, which again is not easy but it is empowering because it comes from within us. It's something we already have within us that we control. It's something we can notice. We can start to notice our thoughts. And that's not saying that you don't also get help. You go to therapy, you work with a coach, you have friends that you talk to about this. But I, I have an executive coach that I work with. And last week on our call, she was giving me advice on something. And I was just like, This is exactly what I said on my own podcast last week. Like, I know these things that you are telling me. And I was was laughing as I say them. I wasn't like saying it to her, like, dude, tell me something I don't know. I was laughing, being like, oh my gosh, friend. Like, I know this. I know this advice you're giving to me. How well do I know it? I literally just gave the whole advice to my audience last week on the podcast. And they were like, oh my gosh, Hillary, this is so good. And now here, a week later, I'm sitting in front of you and you're telling me the same thing that I already know. And I believe that's because we have more wisdom inside us than we realize. And we are better at advising others than ourselves. Because when we have to advise ourselves, We've got all that, all those thoughts built up, all those beliefs built up. And we are worst when we are arguing with ourselves. I call it like the petulant 12-year-old child. That 12-year-old real sassy, too, too, too smart for her own good, you know, 13 going on 30, she's in there in our head and like, man, is she good. And she is meh, 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 back at everything we want to say to ourselves. Now, when you talk to another friend of yours, you show up as the mature, you know, 32-year-old, 52-year-old woman that you are. You show up as the wise, mature, adult part of yourself. And you're like, okay, Gemma, let's, um, I, I, I would say this. Like, I really hear you. That's so hard. But have you thought about it like this? Can you think of yourself talking to a friend and how you show up like an adult? But when you talk to yourself, it's the 12-year-old part of you that's like, well, that is so ridiculous because do you even know, like, after a certain age, the number of miscarriages, da 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 And you really, you sound like the 12-year-old part of yourself. And, you know, we talk to our friends, we come more mature. So it, 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 it this process of the wand is saying, I want to be both the 12-year-old and the 32-year-old versions of myself. The first wand She's going to be that 12-year-old. She's that petulant. She's got a bad attitude, that, that junior high girl, right? She's, everything is like miserable and the worst and freaking annoying and flipping sucks. Like that's where our thoughts and feelings are in that first wand. And then the second wand, we come along as the mature 
wise, savvy woman that we are, and again, whatever age you are listening to this, you could be 18 years old listening to this podcast, you're you're way smarter, my friend, than you were when you were 12. You have more regulated emotions and all of that. So we go through the wand the second time and we can come as that more mature version of ourselves, which is how we would show up for a friend. And that to me is the power of self-coaching, which is what this really is. It lets the 12-year-old get her thoughts out on the first wand. And then the second wand, we get to come in with the maturity and be our own coach. So for me, this is sometimes journaling. It's doing the actual wand, just CTFAR, CTFAR, fill them both out. Sometimes it's writing paragraphs about what I find. Sometimes it's writing paragraphs on one of the things, like where is that thought coming from? And sometimes I'm going really deeper in it. It also for me is verbal processing. Sometimes it's writing, sometimes it's a walk and talk. For me, both parts of the walk and talk are important. I verbally talk to myself. I use the voice memo app on my iPhone. I pretend that I am talking to someone. Maybe it's a team member, maybe it's my coach, maybe it's a girlfriend, maybe it's God. And I press record and I verbally talk. Because that to me, the the verbal processing, if you are someone who is a verbal processor, we do not always actually need someone else to listen. We sometimes just physically need to speak and that can actually just be to ourselves. We can self-coach ourselves. And for me, for some reason, the actual movement of walking makes a big difference. I have more breakthrough if I will go walk around the block, if I will pace around my apartment, than if I am just lying on my bed, if I am just sitting in a chair. So journaling and walking and talking are for me the ways that I personally on a daily basis go through this self-coaching. So I put this concept of the wand inside the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, the first tangible product that I created. Those aren't for sale right now, but I will put that link below if you wanna get on the waiting list for news. But if you already have the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, we have this inside there every single week. And it's something that I come back to all the time and I say to you in there, while there is a written place for this once a week in here, You can do this all the time. I don't want to give you a daily page in this journal because sometimes my wand happens on a walk and talk to go get coffee and leave a voice memo for myself. Sometimes my wand happens on the back of a piece of paper when I, you know, on my my notes app on my phone when I'm waiting in line for my coffee to be made and I just need to type it out with two thumbs and I don't have my journal right there. Sometimes it happens on an online journal that I use, basically just a Google Doc because I type so much faster than I can write. So for me, it doesn't need to physically be in a specific journal with a ballpoint pen every single day. There's a lot of different forms that it takes, but writing can be one of those. In my Elegant Excellence Mastermind, we share, again, this once a week concept. We do uh, Wand Wednesday, and we just share what is some circumstance that we have used our wand on that week? How did it help us? What have we learned? It is just amazing to see the breakthroughs that other people have and to see all the different areas of our lives that this applies to, whether it is your business, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your friendships, whether it's your personal confidence in going in to give a speech or working on your physical health. And in a roundabout way, the wand is often what I'm doing over on Instagram stories where we chat really vulnerably around about what's going on. And I will say to y'all, in essence, here's my circumstance. You know, last weekend it was we moved into a new Airbnb here in Phoenix while we're waiting to go back to New York City amidst coronavirus. And the, the circumstance is it wasn't what I was expecting from the photos. I mean, that's still a neutral fact. It just wasn't what I was expecting. Could have been better, could have been worse. You know, it's it's neutral. It just wasn't what I was expecting. And the first thought is, I'm disappointed and I can feel depressed and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I thought, okay, my next thought is, how can I make it better? And my feeling is, That makes me feel more empowered. And my action is I ended up doing a house tour for you guys over on Instagram stories where we moved around the furniture. We completely reorganized the way their living room was set up. We hid a bunch of furniture because it was way too cluttered. I moved around decor, things that didn't feel like us. I hid in a back room and I went and found things that did feel more like us. And I went to Whole Foods and I bought candles and I bought flowers. And the result is that I'm genuinely more at peace here. And I didn't change the circumstance, which is this is the Airbnb that we're living in. And I actually, I could have. We could have moved. My next thought could have been, 
what if we move someplace else? And I did think that thought. I worked through a lot of possibilities. I didn't share them all on that Instagram stories, but I went through, okay. And I just sat down with Jeremy on Saturday morning and I was just like, I'm not feeling good about this. I'm, I am feeling anxious, unsettled, uncertain. I'm feeling disappointed that we are here and I don't want to just sit in this feeling for the next month. We're, we're here for the entire month of May. So what can I do? And it started, yes, I took action to move around the furniture, but it had to start with a better thought. From the feeling of, I feel depressed, I don't get to the action of, what if I could make it better? I get to that from the thought of, how can I make it better? All right, now I feel a little more hopeful, a little more empowered that maybe there's a way out, and then I take action, and then I get the result. The uh, In the previous episode, the uh, productivity guilt during coronavirus that I've linked below, that was one of the most shared on Instagram stories in a long time. And that came out of my sharing with you guys that I noticed this thought I was having, which was, I should be, dot, dot, dot. The circumstances, it's a Saturday and I'm lying on my couch and I notice the thought, I should be, dot, dot, dot. Interesting. I'm just noticing my thoughts. And here's what I want you to know as we wrap up. I really take solace in the fact that there are multiple wise women who I look up to and admire as uh, teachers in the mental and emotional health and wellness space that are experts that have been working on this longer than I have, who are older than I am, who say they continue to struggle with this. That it's not about achieving some status where we don't need to do this anymore, where we just have a perfect mind and feelings. Our thoughts are always clean and positive and optimistic, and our feelings are always good and warm and fuzzy. It's just a muscle that you grow stronger at. Like you need to keep working out throughout your life, but it gets easier. It becomes something that feels more natural and the stronger you get at it, the more empowered and encouraged you feel. So I would imagine as someone who just started working out back in January, it is way harder now than for people I look at on Instagram mostly who seem to really love it. But they've been doing it for years. But that doesn't mean that they just stop working out. They continue to go back and do the work. And therefore, these wise women continue to go back and do the work of, Okay, I'm going to strengthen my biceps today. Okay, I'm going to notice what my thoughts are. You know, you you keep praying. You don't get to a point where you no longer pray and you've you've reached the apex of that. It just becomes a more natural way of thinking. And I think for me that's the evolution of the wand is that it becomes something that we do effort more effortlessly, more easily, more quickly all throughout the day. We don't necessarily have to write it down. We don't always even have to talk it out. It just kind of happens in our mind. Oh, right, that's kind of a negative thought. So you mean a negative feeling. What's a better feeling thought that I could choose? And it can just start with, you know, that receipt that you have smushed in your purse while you're outside your kid's dance class when we get back to dance classes that you just grab a pen and you write CTFAR twice on the back of that receipt. And that can be all it takes for the day for you to get through it. It's just a conversation that you are starting with yourself. Whether you are writing it or typing it or speaking it or thinking it, you're just chatting with yourself. I'm thinking or feeling this. And another thought would be, which leads me to a better place by the end of this conversation. And again, I didn't come up with this. We remember my month in Nice, France when I started exploring and just realizing this is what everyone agrees on. And then it took a few years before I was introduced to that easy five-letter way to really put it into action. And you've heard me talk about royal mindset. I will link that episode below as well. I am linking the heck out of this episode, guys. But I actually think that that speaks so much to the foundational nature of this that it ties into so many other conversations that we've had. And they all build upon one another. So we kicked off 2020 with this episode on Royal Mindset and gosh, it is powerful to re-listen to with how much the world has changed in the last few months and to go back to this foundational truth that you resonated with so much, which was really just envisioning like how we would walk into a room or a situation if we were royal and abundant and 
confident that people want us to be there and will help us and are rooting for us and respect us. We have possibility and opportunity. And when we add on top of that royal mindset a magic wand that says we are empowered to change our reality, our results through our actions. doesn't mean that we're always going to be able to change the circumstance, but we change our feelings and we do change our results in spite of whatever the circumstance was and not through muscling out hard work in our action uh, column but realizing that we are in control of our minds and genuinely and I don't say this in a fairy tale or fluff way we genuinely are more powerful and more empowered to take more ownership over our lives to have them look and feel the way we want than we realize. And I don't even think that that is a um, first world blessing necessarily because there are studies that show that some of the poorest countries in the world have some of the happiest mindsets and it, or, or feel the happiest and it's because it goes back to their thoughts. It goes back to the thoughts they have about their circumstances. They have a far harder circumstance than the rest of us. And yet, within that circumstance, they have been able to be more empowered and create a reality for themselves that actually has more joy, hope, peace, and happiness than many of us who are in a better circumstance. So we realize it really is such a universal truth and some of us who have a lot may actually struggle with this more than others who have very little and have already learned the magical power of this. And I forget this every day. I resist doing this work every day. But every time I do, I feel better and wiser. I feel more calm and less anxious. I feel stronger and more graceful. So Wands up, my friend. If you want more peace, joy, happiness, presence, gratitude, point it in that direction and I will meet you there more often. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is Rob Lowe's autobiography on audiobook. It's called Stories I Only Tell My Friends. And you know, I am a huge fan of West Wing. Also, I just realized, I don't think I've told you guys my story about when I saw Rob Lowe in person. So I went to Pepperdine, which is in Malibu, and we there was a coffee bean there, a coffee shop. And we that was like the place to be. I hung out there so much. And one time when I was sitting there with my best friend, Monica, who's still one of my best friends today, we saw four celebrities in in like at a span of half an hour. And you honestly didn't see celebrities there that often, but it just was a comical, like we kept seeing person after person. It was just cracking us up. And they were the most noteworthy people like Diana Ross, who just had crazy hair and Bruce Willis, who was so distinctive and people that you were just like, you're not like, who is that? And one person walked by and I was like, that is the most attractive human being I've ever seen. Like he has to be someone famous. You just are, you aren't that pretty and just a normal person. And we were like, who is that? And I said, I think, I kind of want to say it's Rob Lowe. I don't really know who that is, but I feel like Brat Pack something. Like I haven't seen those movies. This was before I had developed my obsession with the West Wing. And he really was just like the most beautiful person that I had ever seen. Um, Then I developed my obsession with West Wing. And I mean, gosh, I just love him so much. And then you listen to his voice on this audiobook. He does all these voices, like not in a weird way, but just in a funny way. He like was was talking about a conversation with Christopher Walken. He was doing the voice of Christopher Walken and Jeremy and I were dying. We, we rewound it and listened to it, listened to it three times. But um, he just has this sexy voice that I've just been, you know, floating in a pool in my suburban safe house here, letting him um, talk to me and sort of whisk me away that I love. He talks about Malibu in the 1970s, which growing up near there and um, going to college there, I really loved. He has stories about so many actors that you know. It is wild. And there's no calling out. There's no like nothing that I've heard so far is kind of like, ooh, that's a juicy tidbit about that person who wronged him. Like he's just really classy and respectful respectful about everyone and um, I just think overall as a former uh, performer my last career was musical theater it really was also just cool to 
hear someone talk about something that they're passionate about, whether you resonate with it or not, that long before there was celebrity and all of that, there's just people who love the art of it and um, the hard work of it and uh, seeing the business side of it for anyone else who is entrepreneurial to really just uh, empathize with all the the back and forth and the behind the scenes. And so I know there are so many of you that uh, were performers in a former life like me or are entrepreneurs now or are considering that. Um, and I think that you will just really hopefully enjoy it as well as a light companion during these quarantine times. And um, then you can just stare at his really pretty face on the cover of the audiobook, you know, as you listen and you float around your pool. And as I taught you when I was down in Mexico and doing guac o'clock before the border closed, if you don't have a pool, you just put on your swimsuit and you get in a pool and you pour yourself a cocktail. I'm sorry, you get in your bathtub. And you pour yourself a cocktail and you, you turn on a fan for like a little bit of um, of that summer breeze. Maybe you need to turn on the heater if it's really cold where you're at. And you just put on Rob Lowe and you just picture that you and I are floating on our flamingos and just going around in circles in our little uh, suburban safe house here. <laughs> so I will see you there in your imagination and over on Instagram where I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. As always, with grace and gumption. next Wednesday.